Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? series called The Christian Checklist. It's under our Spiritual Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation.com.
the foundation. That is J-A-E-F dot foundation. God told Joshua something in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that I believe most Christians overlook. You see, Joshua had been given the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land to possess it. And God was giving him some last minute instructions before they set off. So picture yourself as the commander in chief. How would you as the commander in chief instruct your army general who is heading out to the battlefield? I'm sure most of us would be looking over battle strategy, tactics, and so forth. However, God's last departure instructions to Joshua seem to be both ironic and iconic. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this book day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in this book, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The book of the law that God was referring to wasn't a book containing fighting instructions and battle tactics. No. The book of the law was a combination of God's moral laws, civil laws, and sanitary laws. Interesting right? I think so. However, I want to draw our attention to these specific phrases used by God in verse 8. He said, the law. Now today, to ask Christians, this means God's instructions. Then he also said, meditate day and night. This is a suggestion of a daily routine. Practice remembering these laws, meditate them, ponder them. He also said, observe to do all of it. Put, it in, put them into action. Put God's statutes into action daily. Then by, do, by doing all the above, it's inevitable that whatever you do, you will prosper and have good success. Whether it's a business relationship, romantic relationship, mental health, finances, leadership, physical health, you name it. Just like Joshua was guaranteed good success in possessing a foreign land, likewise God guarantees us good success if we meditate and do all of his statutes. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that, but understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And Peter also told the scattered believers around the world to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. With this in mind, and the awareness of the times, that we currently live in today. As a Christian, you can no longer afford to just wake up and dash out of the door. You need to remind yourself daily that you are like a soldier going out to the battlefield and whether or not you get back home to your family depends on the kind of armory that you go out with 
on the battlefield. Whether you like it or not, accept it or not, as a Christian out in the world today, you need to be thoroughly equipped before you encounter the day. In fact, I like to think of it as it's kill or be killed. So the Christian checklist is just a guide that you can use to stay sharpened and well-rounded in the different areas of your Christian walk. The Christian checklist will help you cover your spiritual blind spots. We hope this series blesses your heart. So open up your heart and mind and let's dive in. Cause the light has shown us No fear's big enough to own us We were never meant to fit in these folders Know this, I ain't scared of these poses Over time we all face opponents They thought they could mess with this focus They forgot the end of the climb's the coldest Know this, life's a battlefield of moments Hold this We are and no one hears We persevere As we approach the line We march through all those fears That kept us here Walls, you can't hold us. If we just keep running away, we'll never make it alive. Till we stand and we fight, aim fire and blow it away. We're storming enemy lines, leaving no one behind. Welcome back to episode 8 of the Christian Checklist. We're talking about how we should start being methodical about our Christian believers' walk of faith. Just like people who work in high-risk environments, likewise, based on the biblical timeline of the end times, we should make sure that we have all our bases covered. It's easy for us to get too comfortable in the parts of our Christian walk that don't really stretch us. And we end up paying very little attention to the other areas of our Christian walk. Now, if we get too comfortable in certain areas of our Christian walk, that inevitably creates blind spots and weak links in the chain of our armor. So the Christian checklist is a tool we can use to do routine tune-ups in different areas of our believer's walk of faith. The parent checklist that we have started looking into is called the seven muscles of Christianity. And I believe that it's from this checklist that we can really start to dive into other checklists as, as 
as, as needed. The seven muscles of Christianity are muscles that every believer must exercise regularly to be able to fight the good fight of faith. And they are, muscle number one is the word of God. In the last episode, we established that the word of God is the core muscle. It's the glue that holds everything together. The word of God is the spirit fuel. It's the engine fuel that our spirit engines run on. If you don't have a solid foundation of the word of God, no matter how much you exercise the other muscles, you will not be fully equipped to fight the good fight of faith. We established that all the other muscles can only be as strong as the core, which is the word of God. Because in the beginning was the word. The word was God and the word was with God. Our whole universe is held together by the word of his power. It's the word that became flesh and dwelt among men. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So if it, if, if it says the word was God, and then it says all things were made by him, him who? The word. And without the word was not anything made that was made. In him was life. In him who? The word of God. So in the word of God was life. And the life was the light of men. And then it goes on to say, and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. It says, the world is held together by the word of his power. Angels, ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us, hearken unto the voice of his word. So we established in the last episode that this second muscle group, this tandem now of prayer and fasting can only be as effective as the foundation or the core, which is the word of God. And I use several, uh, I, I use the illustration of if you were praying for healing, scripture says, even God who calls things that be not as though they were. So the word of God calls you healed. The word of God says by his stripes, you were healed. So if you are praying and that's not the vocabulary you're using, then the spirit of infirmity has no word of authority that drives it out of your body. 
if the, if you keep on saying God will heal me in his time, you extend the license of residency to the spirit of infirmity that is oppressing you. And I did use an illustration that just this week, I was talking to someone and ministering to them that has been dealing with a terminal illness for over 40 years. And they said, God will heal me in his time. And I said, it's been 42 years. Isn't that enough time for God? Are you going to give him another eight years? When will his time be up? At what point will he say, daughter, thou loosed from thy infirmities? Many Christians are being held in the bondage of sickness because the way they pray is not in line with the word of God. Even God has to abide by the rules of the word of God. He calls things that be not as though they were. You see, if God was sick, which can never happen, but if he was sick and he needed to pray for healing, he would never pray, I will be healed. He would say, I was healed. That's, where, that's how his prayer would start. When you say, I was healed, the spirit of infirmity has a clear directive that it's in the wrong body. He said, by his stripes, I was healed. That's a clear eviction notice to the spirit of infirmity that is oppressing you. But when you pray, I will be healed. I am going to be healed. That's not the phraseology that the scripture uses when it comes to healing. Healing is in the past tense. And so many other things in our Christian walk that many times we put off into the future. We mistake hope with faith. The Word of God says that faith gives substance to things hoped for. Yes, without hope, faith has nothing to give substance to. So we need hope. Hope says healing will be manifested. The symptoms that I see in my body will eventually give way. Faith says, by his stripes, I was healed. Scripture says, now faith is. Faith says, by his stripes, I was healed. Hope says, There's coming a day when these symptoms will no longer be in my body. Faith is now. Faith is now. So, prayer, which initiates communication with headquarters of heaven, has to be word best. Prayer is how we download strategy from heaven. And the only language that heaven understands and hears is the word of God.
faith is the substance of things hoped for, or faith gives substance to things hoped for. So hope says, I will be out of this situation. For instance, hope, let's look at healing again. Someone is on their deathbed or someone is sick. Hope says, I will get off this deathbed. Faith says, Hope says, I will get off this deathbed. Why? Because faith says, by his stripe, I was healed. Because by his stripes, I was healed, I will get off this deathbed. That's how faith and hope work. Faith establishes the fact. Faith gives substance to what you hope for. You are hoping for healing. Faith says, okay, by his stripes I was healed, and it starts to give your hope substance. Hope says, what you have you cannot hope for. So what you hope for is essentially the thing that you want to see replace the thing that is currently. You want, you're hoping that your body will go from being eroded away to coming to, 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 to being full again, to being whole again. That's hope. You're hoping for that. But faith says, by his stripes, I was healed. It's faith which gives substance to what you're hoping for. So you have to separate the two. So you don't pray hope, you pray faith. And then faith gives substance to what you're hoping for. So most Christians pray hope instead of praying faith. Most Christians pray hope instead of praying faith. So most Christians say, I believe God will heal me. That is hope. Faith says, by his stripes, I was healed, so I will be out of this situation. I don't know if, if, if I'm, I'm making sense, but I know it's a little bit, it can be a little bit confusing. You kind of have to, um, so you should always pray faith. Basically, you always pray the final outcome that you want. But most Christians pray hope. Again, to use that example, saying God will heal me extends the residency of the spirit of infirmity that has been oppressing you for over 40 years to keep on staying in your body. Because what the spirit is hearing is that the directive that get out of this person's body you're not allowed to be in there, hasn't yet come. 
the eviction notice hasn't yet come. But if you say, by his stripes I was healed, that means you've, you've terminated the residency of the spirit of infirmity that is oppressing you. You say, no, 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 by his stripes I was healed, so let go of my body. Even God, who calls things that be not as though they were. We see Jesus do this over and over again. He walks up to a dead person and they laugh at him because he said, the little girl is not dead, she sleepeth. The little girl is not dead, she sleepeth. But she was but she was graveyard dead. But when he was confessing that, when he was praying that, when he was making that statement, he was praying faith. And scripture says, now faith is. So faith is now. It says today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. So Jesus spoke the final outcome that he wanted. He says, the little girl is not dead. She sleepeth. And they looked at him as crazy and they laughed at him and they mocked him. And he sent them out of the room. Say, Talitha kum. Little girl, rise up. And she arose. Her spirit came back into her body. And she was made whole. That's the vocabulary of prayer. It's according to the word of God, how God himself does it. But prayer has another interesting tandem, which is called fasting. Fasting helps you to hear God clearly. How? Most Christians think fasting moves God. No. Fasting moves you towards God. Fasting helps you to hear God clearly. How? By quietening the soul. In Psalms 35, verse 13, David says, he says, I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into mine own bosom. Fasting quietens the soul. It quietens the flesh. Fasting pulls back the flesh from dominating and lets the spirit dominate you.
first thing cures unbelief. In Matthew 17, 21, Jesus told the disciples, this kind goes not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now, if you read other accounts, I believe in Mark, it, 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 I think either Mark or Luke, about the same story, most people think that Jesus was saying that the demon, the disciples that failed to cast out, goes not out by, but by prayer and fasting. That is not true because they had already been casting out demons before. Another account says this kind of unbelief goes not out but by prayer and fasting. So when you're struggling to believe the word of God in your life, when you're struggling to believe a certain promise in your life that you want to stand on, this is where fasting comes into play. Fasting cures unbelief. He was telling them, your unbelief for this situation goes out by prayer and fasting. Now, there are also a lot of health benefits to fasting as well. It cleanses your body of toxic substances. It cleans out your gut. There's so many health benefits to fasting. But as the scripture says in Psalms 35, 13, I humbled my soul with fasting. You quieten the flesh. Now, you don't always have to do long fasts like, you know, 21 days or 40 days or 500 days. Um, but you can incorporate into your daily lifestyle some type of fasting. You, you, you have to make it part of your routine because most people will start off the year with 40 days prayer and fasting. And then maybe they'll do it again six months after that and then maybe to close out the year. But you need to find a way to make fasting part of your lifestyle. And there's different ways you can do it. You know, you can dedicate one day once a week to fast. And say every Wednesday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday or every Tuesday, I fast. Fasting has to be part of your routine. I don't really, for it's one area that I've grown in. And I don't think as a Christian, your belly should always be full. And I know people like to say, you know, uh, they like to channel, um, talk about fasting, like, content, social media, and this, 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 and that, and all of that. That's true. But you need to fast. And we're talking about food. There's nowhere in scripture where they say that Jesus went and fasted and he fasted uh, social media. Everywhere in scripture, it talks about fasting. It talks about denying your flesh 
What does your flesh need? It 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 it's food. Yes, your 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 soul, meaning your mind, will, emotions, those can eat social media, but fasting has to involve denying yourself food. So don't try to go around it by saying you're going to have a full plate of food, but you're going to fast social media. No, that is not fasting. That's that's another kind. If, if you, the real definition, if you're talking about a biblical fast, food has to be involved. You have to deny your flesh food. So, Fasting should be part of our lifestyle. Or you can do a three-day fast every month. There has to be some days where you, you subdue your flesh. Think about it. You've been eating food. The one thing that you've been giving your body ever since you were born is food. It's not like you give your body, you've been feeding your body social media ever since you were born. No. Yes, and when you're doing a fast, then of course, then you start to add other elements. You know, you you you, you it's a food, you 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 are denying your flesh food, and then you say, of course, during this time, you replace the time that you would normally do other things with prayer. That means you're not on social media because you're praying. You're not watching the news because you're praying. You're not going to the movies because you're praying. You're not going to the to 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 the club because you're praying. You're not doing this other thing because you're praying. Fasting, prayer and fasting, fasting and prayer. During your fast you should be praying as much as possible. You replace the time you would have been using for eating food to read the word of God, to pray, to do these things, to meditate, to sit, to ponder, to hear from him. So you can also incorporate a three-day fast every month. I believe a, a routine of fasting in your lifestyle is more effective than doing one of these 40-day fasting at the beginning of the year and then we don't hear from you until the end of the year. No. Your body must know that it's not the boss. Because every day, if you set up one, one day a week, let's say, to fast, and, and yes, you can have, let's say you can do your 40-day fast or whatever, 21-day fast to begin the year, and then after that, you can drop off just to maybe one day once a week to fast. Or you can just do a three-day fast every month. That means those three days will be like a refueling. But you have to make sure you really get deep in prayer and also read the Word of God. Fasting without prayer is just a diet or hunger strike. Now, I will plug this in for you. 
If you want to know about the benefits of fasting, I would recommend and, and how to do fasts properly. How to, I, it was, most Christians, a lot of Christians say, I've never fasted or how do I even start? I struggle with fasting. Power is released in our Christian walk when we receive knowledge. The moment you receive knowledge and understanding, somehow that is what triggers or gives you the ability to do. I had never done this. I had never gone on a complete food fast. I'm talking all around the clock, not six to six. I'm talking all day, no food. And the reason I was able to, to do that recently sometime during this year, for the first time ever, was because I first sat down and listened to about three sermons on the power of, 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 of prayer and fasting and really also understanding how, how can you do, how should you do a fast? So the resource that I relied on where I got all this information that really gave me the power from the knowledge it provided me was from, I would recommend you look up Dr. Miles Monroe summons on YouTube on how to fast. Uh, it's called How to Fast and the Benefits of Fasting. Now, his teachings personally for me were really the first teachings to ever give me the revelation I needed on fasting, on understanding why I need to do it, how to do it. So I've become a regular faster. And I, and I you know, something that was really hard for me. Another very important point that bears mentioning is that in a situation where you have to make a key decision, you need to use this tandem of prayer and fasting. And we see this on two accounts in the, uh, uh, in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. When you need to make a key decision in your life, you know what job offer to accept um you know if you're seeking confirmation on your spouse on or business ideas to go with and all of this it is very important to use this tandem of prayer and fasting we see this let's explore let's look at these two accounts from the book of acts the first one is from acts chapter 13 verses 1 to 4 and it says, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Mayen, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So we see that 
we see that when, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost spoke. And they were able to hear what the Holy Ghost was saying. When they had fasted and prayed, then they laid their hands on them. So before they laid their hands on them to say, okay, Paul and Barnabas go henceforth. They fasted and prayed. Then they came and laid their hands on them. And we also see that instructions from the Holy Ghost were ushered in as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And then afterwards, they laid their hands on Barnabas and Paul after fasting and prayer. Which when you really look at it, it illustrates that the anointing to lay hands was ushered in after the act of fasting and prayer. The anointing to lay hands on these two gentlemen was ushered in after they fasted and prayed. Then we see this again in Acts chapter 14 verses 21 to 24 when Paul and Barnabas had now returned to Antioch in Syria. And it goes on to say, verse 21, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. The key verse to focus on is that, and when they had ordained them elders in every church, and had prayed with fasting, they prayed with fasting. You pray with fasting. They commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So in both these situations, you see key decisions that had to be made in people's lives, and they prayed with fasting. So if the key decisions you need to make right now in your life, you need to pray with fasting. This tandem is most, is most powerful when you use them together. Prayer is most powerful and effective with some form of fasting. And fasting is most effective and powerful with prayer. This is the tandem of prayer and fasting. And also, you can see why we're saying that all these other mercies can only be exercised according to the word of God. Scripture shows us how different people fasted. We've got the Daniel fast where he did not eat choice bread. So you can have a routine kind of fasting, which is like the Daniel fast, which is you never eat choice of meat. You never eat choice of bread. 
where you eat unleavened bread and things of that nature. And for me personally, that's the one that I'm most of the times incorporating. I'm not always eating the thing that I want to eat. You know, my, my diet is always regulated. So I'm always kind of doing some form of a Daniel fast because I'm not always eating choice bread, you know, because I want to stay, I, I want to have some control over my flesh. Every week, I may not eat meats every week. Some people eat meat every week. Or, you know, you, you're having, let's say some people will have, you have your coffee with all the things you want in it. You have your food with all the meats you want in it. You have your, your dessert. You're having your dessert. You're having your best ice cream. You're having your best this. You're having your best that. You're having, no. You can have seasons where you don't have to have your favorite dessert, where you don't have to eat ice cream every after your dessert, where instead of drinking juice, you're drinking water. So I'm always finding a certain way in which to control my flesh, even with my diet. I'm not always just eating everything that I want to. So these, you, these are the kind of ways in which now you can do incorporate fasting into your daily routine. Now, there is other seasons where it's a full-fledged fast where you've, you're not eating and, and, and you, know, you can do a dry fast or you can do where you're not eating anything and you're just drinking. Um, there's another interesting one that I was looking at. Uh, I know we talk about the Daniel fast 20 days, but there's one at the beginning of the book of Daniel, which is very interesting. And this is for you who, if you're looking for a very unique way in which to kind of, um, I don't think Daniel did this as a fast, but you can see. So at the beginning, when they go to Babylon, Daniel turns down again. He turned down the king's portion. So the king's diet was probably um, the best meat that you could find, the best everything. But it says the king appointed, this is Daniel chapter 1 verse 5, it says the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. But Daniel, this is verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, what did Daniel resort to eat? So, if let's say, I don't think he did this as a fast, but 
this would also count as a Daniel fast. So Daniel goes and says, listen, Dan, the, 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 the eunuch says, tells Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking, worse looking than the other children which are of your sort? Then you shall make me endanger my head to the king. Then Daniel said to Melza, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Daniel says, prove thy servants, I beseech you. Give us 10 days and just give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Give us basically vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before you and the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. As you see, deal with your servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. At the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Then Melzer took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pals. Now, I still have to read into this and get more revelation, but you could basically go on a diet of 10 days of only vegetables and water, and it will do dramatic changes to your body. This is almost like a lesson that um, I'm yet to try this, by the way. But I, this was, I was like, wow, I'd never really looked at it like that. So in 10 days, he said, okay, let the other people go eat the king's meat and his wine and everything the king is offering. Daniel says, give us 10 days. For us, we shall just give us vegetables and water. And after 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked better than the people who are eating meat, the king's meat and wine. Wow. So I don't know. If you wanted to go on like a, a diet plan, people are always looking for diet plans. This is this can be one of the things you say that for the next 10 days, I'm going to just do this. I'm just going to have vegetables and water. I'm actually going to try this. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll pick out 10 days in November. Or maybe I'll do it at the beginning of December before I eat everything that will be coming my way. But yeah, try it out. Let me know. But I was like, oh, there is a, you know, diet plan. People are always looking for diet plan. The other interesting thing about scripture is that it always has these little nuggets. Just eat vegetables and water for 10 days. My goodness. But again, I'll advise that you pray because you can, Daniel was a praying man. So you will have two benefits. You will have fasted, you'll have prayed up. And guess what? Your body is going to be looking amazing. I'll come back, I'll do it, and I'll maybe do some podcast episodes to uh, talk about my experience on 10-day vegetables 
on water. So yeah, that rounds up muscle group number two, prayer and fasting. Remember, effective prayers are built on the word of God. And the fasting, the way you should fast and how to fast is also built from the word of God. That's our blueprint. It's the word of God. Selah. This was episode eight of the Christian Checklist series. We looked at the tandem muscle group of prayer and fasting. And we also see throughout scripture how this tandem of prayer and fasting manifests miracles. Prayer is how you initiate communication with heaven. We've concluded that all prayers should be based and built on the word of God. And your prayers will definitely be ignited by fasting. Fasting quietens the soul. It puts the spirit in the driver's seat instead of your flesh. It's a cure for unbelief. And it also comes with several health benefits. In the next episode of the seven muscles of Christianity, we'll look at the next muscle that all Christians must exercise daily, which is meditation. Your host for today was Calvin Cabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.